This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by Syngenta. More than 27,000 people in over 90 countries helping the world's farmers grow more from less, protect the environment, and improve health and quality of life. See all they are doing at Syngenta.com. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. John Miller, Group Vice President for Ag Products for Burlington Northern Santa Fe, or BNSF. Welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Glad to be here, Ken. I look look forward to the discussion. First of all, this has been a tough winter for everybody, and we may not think about it, but the rail lines as well appear to be fighting the winter weather as much as anyone else. I have recently heard a podcast that you put forward that has a little bit of the information Let me play a little bit of that if I can. This past week, we saw continued rain and snow in the Pacific Northwest, affecting track conditions with mudslides north of Seattle. We have quickly addressed these track conditions and remain fluid into the Pacific Northwest, but are experiencing episodic delays on empty departures. Early last week, the severe cold and wintry conditions continued, but showed signs of abatement with better temperatures across the north this past weekend. Our U.S. past dues have increased in the past week, now at 11,066. Our U.S. average days late decreased slightly, now at 15.4 days late. John, just how tough is this winter for keeping on schedule for the railroad? This has been a very tough winter. There's no, there's no two ways about it. It simply has been a winter like we haven't seen in, in ages. The, the difficulty of this winter is twofold. Uh, one, clearly we've seen some portions of the upper Midwest and uh, all the way across to Chicago from from the Dakota to Chicago hit with uh, some parts of significant snowfall, which clearly always uh, affect operations. And we certainly accept uh, and understand to a degree because we operate every winter. However, uh, you combine that with some extremely cold temperatures that have been broad-based across the upper Midwest, uh, and they've lasted for uh, a significant portion of late December through a month of January without much uh, much break. And then, of course, we just had a major storm last night between Minneapolis and into Wisconsin, uh, and it's going to be followed by another uh, polar vortex of very cold temperatures this week, uh, which, which we're discouraged to see. It is what it is. Let me tell you how it affects us. When temperatures fall below zero uh, across our network, uh, safety uh, becomes uh, uh, something we pay always pay attention to safety, but we certainly got to take even uh, greater precautions during very cold temperatures for our employees. Uh, so, not, uh, among other things, we restrict the amount of time they go outside uh, to 20 minutes at a time. They got to come back in and work for 10 minutes, uh, and to protect them on a safety standpoint. But it certainly affects our productivity. The bigger issue, though, is cold temperatures affect our train lengths and our train speed. So across the north, uh, folks may not know this, but as the temperatures fall to 0, 10, and 20 below, and uh, we have to actually re- restrict train length because the air that we pull through the train, which uh, sets our brakes, will leak out, and uh, it is, the power is not there to pull full train. So we actually at certain we have a matrix that basically uh, helps us determine that at certain degrees of temperature that we will uh, start reducing the train size, uh, and then we'll pull as much as uh, we'll reduce that as much as to half a train when it gets uh, 10, 20, 30 below. 
And we've seen very good stretches of, of very extreme temperatures like that where it just dramatically affected our train uh, size and, and, and also our train speed. And what that does, of course, is it just creates more congestion uh, along the railroad, and it sucks up resources. Uh, locomotives and crews uh, are moving more trains across the network. Uh, they're moving more slowly as they get through. And then finally, of course, when you have this kind of severe cold weather, uh, you, you certainly have uh, issues with, as we always do, and, and anybody out in the cold will understand this, the mechanical issues, uh, shop repairs, just things happen at 20 degrees below zero that don't happen at 20 degrees above zero. So all these things have made this a very unusual winter. We are fighting through it. We're pushing through it. And we will we continue to operate uh, in, in our attempt to make sure that we stay fluid. Uh, but it certainly had an effect on conditions. I'd like to talk about some things with the rail lines and the changes through time and give your perspective of where you think we are and where you think we're going. Um, you know, we used to have rail lines that reached uh, all over every little town across the country. Um, that is not the case anymore. And in this evolution, uh, where does the relationship between railroads and farming and grain elevators and others in agribusiness currently stand? You know, it's a great story. Uh, the, the, at, at BNSF in the last, uh, in the last 10 to 15 years, uh, we've seen our, our ag shuttle network, which is a facilities that can load 110 cars at one time within 15 hours, expand dramatically. Uh, and it's not really just a, a, a BNSF supply chain story or an ag supply chain story, but it's just a, U, it's a U.S. supply chain story that is, allows uh, what we believe is the right economic and efficient solution to move trains uh, the most efficiently from origin to destination to allow the U.S. farmer to be competitive economically, to be competitive overseas in the most effective way. And this is dovetailed very nicely with the dramatic increase in yield improvements uh, across the farming network. So we've invested a lot of money at BNSF to expand the network, to maintain the network, to help uh, uh, develop this ag shuttle network. Uh, and we have over well over 200 shuttle uh, locations, origins now within BNSF that uh, that can feed this new this supply chain. We certainly haul a lot of cars as well that are single car manifest shipment, but the growth has been on the uh, 110 car shuttle unit train concept, which is all about efficiency uh, and, and allowing the farmers and uh, to get the, their product to market uh, uh, most effectively. And again. Against the backdrop of rising yields, this has been uh, 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 seeing the um, uh, rise of the, of the farming sector as it's tied to the sort of ag supply transportation chain. It's been quite honestly very, very effective. Now, I would tell you this year since October at BNSF, our what we consider best-of-class service has not been best-of-class uh, because of uh, uh, tremendous growth across BNSF and all four business sectors last year. Uh, combined with a very strong capital maintenance program and then, of course, the weather, our, our service has not been up to our customers' expectations nor to our own. And we know that, we understand that, uh, and we're working very hard to, to get back to the level of service that all of our customers expect from us. Well, one of the concerns of agriculture is competition among rail carriers, and BNSF is a recent merger, UPSP is another, and uh, shippers who uh, are along your lines... Uh, say that the government has really allowed mergers to the point there's very limited competition and few choices for them. 
and they believe that results in higher freight rates. Would you have a response to that? You know, we we just believe in competition. Uh, so even though there may be one rail line, this is particularly true of the agricultural network, even though there may be one rail line through one area, uh, the corn farmer in Iowa uh, competes with a corn farmer in Minnesota, competes with a corn farmer in Nebraska uh, to, this, to similar destinations. So they're competing at the destination. So the BNSF and UP, for instance, in the West, compete very strongly together uh, against each other uh, uh, because of this, the way the network is set up. So uh, corn and wheat and soybeans and various products uh, are all, frankly, very competitive. And um, even though one area geographically may only have one line through it, it actually there's a lot of competition uh, at the destination, which forces competition up the line. We are really just simply focused on providing the best service that we can provide. We are incented to move as much volume as we can, we want to do that with the best and most reliable service that we can, and that's how we uh, that's how we kind of ring the bell every day at, at BNSF. John, tell me about this capital expenditure campaign. You recently released five billion dollars is going to be spent on what? Well, the five billion is a is a record spend for us capital spend in, in one year. Uh, we spent just over four billion back in uh, 2013, and that was a record year as well. The components of a record spe- of our record spend are, are several. Uh, the largest component is simply the maintenance of our track, and that is this year going to consume about 2.3 billion of the 5 billion. Uh, we're going to spend an additional 1.6 billion on locomotive, freight, car, and equipment acquisitions. Uh, and in addition, we continue to spend on uh, money, which this year will be 200 million dollars on continued installation of positive train control or PTC. And then we have 900 million earmarked for terminal line intermodal expansion and efficiency projects. That is a big deal. That is clearly the largest we've spent on expansion-related capital ever, <clears throat> and it's and it's basically driven by the growth of business on BNSF. Uh, and that's important for customers to understand that that a significant portion of our spend is on just expanding the railroad, double track, new sidings, increasing yard capacity where it makes sense, and the. From a farming standpoint, the really good news is that a significant portion of, of the expansion capital we're spending is around the agricultural area up north. Uh, so it's the so it's had, it's it's significantly uh, centered on the Dakotas, North Dakota area, where there is need for expansion, uh, driven by the growth in North Dakota, and that'll uh, that'll take place this year. It's continuing actually what we did last year. And it'll continue for the next several years. You'll see a significant increase in spend in that area uh, in order to just simply handle the growth that's coming at us. Maybe just to be elementary in explanation of intermodal, but do you think it will have an advantage for any size of shipper in agriculture that you have the option of things being shipped in containers from point to point? I think you're referring to grain in a box. Um, grain in a box at BNSF continues has expanded since really 2004, 2005, when the grain industry, the egg industry, started really uh, 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 jumped on a creative idea, which is trying to backhaul into empty containers in the U.S. that were sitting everywhere back in 2004, 2005, and hauling them back to in particular Asia, where the gro- primary growth of demand was. Uh, for corn, soybeans, DDGs, some wheat, 
uh, I will tell you that the sort of the center of grade in a box in terms of the way the economics have played out has been Chicago because you have to have a, a consistent and ready supply of empty containers uh, to, bit, to make an operation investable and, and, uh, con- and, and sustainable. So Chicago does have that. Chicago is a big uh, dropping point for containers coming from Asia. The same containers want to go back to Asia, and, and it's obviously a, a good point for origination, origination of corn, soybeans, and DDGs as well into Chicago. So Chicago is certainly a, a, a consistent and steady point of grain in a box and has grown over the years. We have a uh, new logistics park in Kansas City, in actually Edgerton, Kansas, which opened uh, this past fall. And you're going to see, I believe, more grain in a box move out of Kansas City as a result because you're seeing more containers come in to what we call LPKC. So we think that will also become a significant center because, obviously, Kansas City is centrally located to the ag industry as well. And I think that provides another another uh, a point. LPKC will initially has a lift capacity of about 500,000 containers a year, but it can be expandable beyond that to up to a million containers a year. Uh, dependent upon the growth of demand. So certainly Kansas City could be a, a growth point. And beyond that, Ken, I think you see uh, episodic and uh, uh, at times consistent. It depends on a number of factors, but Minneapolis uh, is a possible grain loading point for grain in a box and, uh, and other locations as well across the system. But I think Chicago is the primary one. Uh, I think you're going to see growth in Kansas City, and uh, you'll see Minneapolis at times as well. Well, John Miller, Group Vice President for Ag Products for BNSF, thank you very much for explaining how your line is working, uh, how you're intending to expand, and uh, how you're fighting the wetter weather. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, talking to you and your listeners. Uh, just want to remind our listeners that BNSF is working hard to restore the level of service that we know our customers uh, ask of us, and we will continue on that path, and we wish you all have to have a safe day. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by Syngenta. See all they are doing at Syngenta.com. I'm Ken Root.